Well, good morning, Grace Hills. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, man, it's going to be a good day today. You, you excited to be in church this morning? Even an hour earlier. I'm impressed that you made it. You look like a bright-eyed, bushy tail. It's going to be a good day. Oh, man. Hey, we're going uh, to start a new series this week. And what we're going to be talking about is what God wants to do through your life. Everybody say, through my life. God not only wants to work in you, but a big thing that we believe is that God also wants to work through you. Amen. Where we, we believe that it's not the, what God wants to do doesn't stop when he comes and works in us, but that he all of a sudden then wants to begin to work through us and see us begin to change the world by what he's doing through us. And here's the conviction that we have as a church is this, is that God has a desire to radically change lives across Northwest Arkansas. Amen. We believe that as a church. We don't just say that. We genuinely believe that, that there are people in this region that need to, like we were talking about just a while ago, that they need to have a life-altering relationship with Jesus. That it's not just about rules. It's not just about um, religion. It's not these things. But we believe that a relationship with Jesus changes lives. And we believe that God's not done with the people in this building, but that there are people beyond the walls of this building that God wants wants to reach and that God wants to work in their lives. Amen. Well, that's a core thing that we believe. God wants to bring freedom to people that are bound up in sin. He wants to bring peace to a world right now that is oppressed with fear and worry that he wants to bring freedom and peace from that. He wants to bring hope to a world right now that is depressed with hopelessness and feels like we don't know where we're going, what's gonna happen. He wants to bring hope to them. He wants to bring eternal life to those that are destined for hell and he wants to bring purpose, right, to the restless and the aimless, we got a world out there that is restless, aimless, depressed, doesn't know what's going on in life, where to go, what to do. And the beauty of it is this, is that we know that we serve the God who wants to bring peace and joy and rest and purpose and hope. Amen? And our heart here at Grace Hills, if you want to know what we're wrapped up about is this, is not that we want to grow a church. Well, I mean, we do, we want people to be here, but it's not because we just want to fill, put people in the seats, but it's because we believe, desperately believe, passionately believe that God wants to change lives. And I can say this because I've seen God change my life, and I look at the things that I used to be and the things that have worked in my life, and I go, man, I, I, I look at my life and I go, man, God has done such a work in me and I want to see him do it in somebody else. Not that I'm perfect. I don't got it all figured out. I hope in 10 more years, I'll go, man, Jesus has changed my life even more. But I look at my life and I say, man, God, is, God has changed me and worked in me and done something inside of me and I want to see him do it in other people. When I go to places in the community and I see people that are lost and, and all of these things, my heart says, I want to see God do for you what I know that he has done for me. And that's what our heart is about. We love people. We passionately love people. We hate to see people that are lost and aimless and hopeless and caught up in sin that's destroying their life and destroying their relationships. And we hate it when people don't have that life-giving relationship with God. And we know that God created people for so much more. Created you to be walking joy and peace and hope. We want to do everything we can to see lives transformed by Jesus. And the way that we believe that happens is when God not only works in your life, but then the shift comes and he begins to work through your life. 
And it's great for you to come into this building and for God to work in you. And I'm very thankful for that. That's a great thing. We want you to come. And that's a part of what the church is, is that we come and that we build you up and we strengthen you up and we teach you the word of God and we understand what God is doing in our life. And that's a powerful thing. But there's a shift that he calls us to make is when it's not only in us, but through us. And here's the thing I want you to understand today is this, is that God's desire is to move in the lives of people across Northwest Arkansas. And he wants to do it through you. Let me say that again. God wants to work across Northwest Arkansas and the way that he wants to do it is work through you. You were created to be a difference maker. Paul says it this way. If you got a Bible with you, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. One of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, uh, maybe like one of the top five that I love this verse so much, or Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. And Paul's talking here. And what he does is I believe that he gives us that transition from God working in us to God all of a sudden beginning to work through us. And he says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And I love this. He says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Now, let me pause here and just say, man, God loves you so much. And your salvation is not dependent on how good you are and how many great things you've done and the list of your accomplishments and how great you've lived your life. That's not what it's about at all. But it's when you come to God and you believe in him and you trust in him and that what he did on the cross for you paid the penalty for your sins so that you can have eternal life with him. That's what he's talking about. He's saying it's not about you. It's not because you're awesome. It's not because you got it all figured out, but it's because of what Jesus did inside of you, that he died for you and that he does a work inside of you. That's not about you, but that he does it inside of you. But then what I love in this verse is this, is that he says, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just about what God does in you, but check it out. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. And I love this. He says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, that he's created us new because of what Jesus did. And then catch this. He says, so, everybody say, so, we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He's saying it doesn't stop there. So it's not because of what you've done, but it's because I gave it to you. But then he says, but it doesn't stop there. Now I've called you to go and begin to do. That's what we're called to do. We got to get this mentality right that it's God working in me and then as he works in me, that he also begins to work through me. God not only wants to work in your life, but he wants to work through your life. And what you'll see as you read your Bible is that God always works his plans through people. Well, we talked about this before, but you think about Noah. Like, could God have just saved humanity and built a, he could have built an ark on his own. Absolutely, he could have. But what did he do? He chose to work through a guy named Noah. Could God have killed Goliath and saved the Israelites and done that on his own and just struck him? Yeah, he could, but what did he do? He chose to work through a guy named David, right? Could God have reached, um, reached the Roman people on his own without Paul? Yeah, but you know what he chose to do? He chose to send a guy named Paul, apostle to the Gentiles. That's awesome. God works his plans through people and he doesn't stop now. And I tell you this, God is looking for people that he can use in Northwest Arkansas. He hasn't just stopped working through people because we live in 2000, what are we, 22? 23, we're in that year. I'm on top of it today. Even in 2023, God wants to work through people. 
And he wants to work through your life. He works his plans through people. And he's looking for people across Northwest Arkansas that are willing to go, here I am, God, use me. Here I am, God, send me. My question today as we get into this, are you one of those people that are willing to say, God, here I am, use me. That you've come to a point where you said, God has done something in me and I realize that this is not the end of the road. I'm not gonna be a selfish Christian who wants to come in here and get fat theologically, but that I realize that he's called me to go and do. Are you one of those people who stand up and say, here I am, God, send me. That he's done something in you and you look at your life and you go, wow, God, I would not be the same without you. I wanna see that in somebody else's life. See, here's my hope is that I, I would love for eternity to look different because we were willing to be used by God. I would love for us to get to heaven and see people there that are there because we were willing to be used by God. Uh, Casey makes fun of me. Uh, I, I still have an affinity for early, like, 1990s Christian music. Anybody, anybody have that? Like, if they had a don't forget the lyrics for 90s Christian music, like, million dollars in my pocket, it's going to happen. And Casey laughs at me all the time. Sometimes she'll come down and she'll listen to these. And now, now here's a question for you. Any of y'all remember the man in Christian music with the best curly mullet that ever existed, one and the only Ray Bolts? Anybody remember that? Man, a curly mullet like that's just like a mane from heaven. It was great. Um, <laughs> it was great. But he, Casey laughs at me because he had this one song, and it's, it's a cheese ball song, but it's, you ever have one of those songs that you like, you know it's cheesy, but it still hits you in the gut every time you hear it? It's like that one, what is that Christmas when they sing Christmas shoes? Like, you, you're, if you listen to that and don't cry, you don't have a heart. Like, it just, like, doesn't happen, you know? Uh, but the one that gets me is there's a Ray Bolt song, and it's this old one. It's uh, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. Anybody remember that one? I dream I went to heaven. You were there with me. Yeah, and so it's great. And Clayson, not in here, so I can say all these things. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, but I listen to that song, and it hits me in the gut every time. Because if you don't know the song, what it's about is this guy that dreams that he went to heaven, and all these people in heaven started walking up to him and would say, hey, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was eight, and I'm here because of what you did. Nobody saw it, but you, you served in my Sunday school class. And it made an impact and I'm here because of that. Or you went on a missions trip to Africa and you said this and it did this and I'm here today because of that. And my hope for us is that we would be a church that is doers. That we don't just get here, we learn a lot and we're excited then we go home and eat some fried chicken. But that we come into here, we learn and then we go out on mission. And that when we get to heaven, we get to this point where there's people that are coming up and saying, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed. I'm here today because you are willing to let God use you. And my hope is this, is that we, there will be crowds of people in heaven. Maybe even, and I would even say it this way, I would be happy if I got to heaven and there were three people, even one person that came and said, I'm here today because you are willing to do work because you were willing to serve God. Can we be a church like that? Here's the thing I would tell you is this, is that we are committed to being a people that reach people. That's what we're committed to. We're committed to that. We're not a club for believers where we come in here, but we are on mission to see lives changed by Jesus because we care about people. 
And so what we're going to be talking about this week and over the next two weeks is how do we become people that are catalysts of change? How do we do that? How do we become people that eternity looks different because we existed? How do we become people that are difference makers, people that, that God can use to change lives? How do we become people that say, here I am, God, use me? How do we become those people? And so I would encourage you, we're gonna do this for three weeks. I would encourage you to be here for all three weeks because each of them is a different piece of the puzzle. Um, so maybe today you hear this and you're like, also this, and come all three weeks. They're all a piece of the puzzle. But today I wanna talk to you about the foundational idea and it's this, is if we're gonna make a difference, then we have to be people that are different. If we're gonna make a difference, then we have to be people that are different. And the reason why I wanna bring this up is because Christians get so obsessed and depressed and mad about how different the world is than us instead of realizing that the differences in the world than us is the greatest opportunity that we have ever had to reach people for Jesus. And I say that oppressed, depressed, oppressed, depressed, and mad Right, because I think that's perfectly synopsis of what we are. I, and I've known this in Christians. I've seen this even in my own life. We get obsessed with what the world is doing and how these people are doing this and where culture's going. We get depressed about it because we look at the way everything's going and where people are going and we, we get depressed about it. And then it ends up leading us to this place where we're, we're mad about it and we're ticked off about what the world is doing. And I, we as Christians, I'd say this, need to stop being mad at the world for being lost and focus on being beacons of light. Is it a surprise that the world's lost? <laughs> like, is it a surprise that sin or sin? Like, but we get to this point where we get so ticked off about it and mad and obsessed about it instead of saying, what has God called me to do? What has God called me to do? If we're gonna make a difference, then we have to be people that are different. I love the Martin Luther King quote. Um, he used to say this. He would say, darkness cannot defeat darkness. Only light can do that. So many times we see darkness in the world and our response is essentially more darkness that we're going to be mad and upset and all these things. And you're not going to win a war that way. The way that we win is when we are lights in a dark world. That's the way we do it. We are in a unique time right now where the world is venturing farther and farther and farther away from God. Now, and I wanna be clear on this. I'm not saying that this is the worst the world has ever been. When you look over history, I mean, you look at Roman society, you look at stuff that happened in America over the last, like there is plenty of things where things have gone wrong. So I'm not saying this is the worst time ever. Don't get me wrong. But we are at a place where used to, right, the, there was a, a general esteem for fairly Christian values and beliefs and those things. We're moving into a stage right now where that is disappearing completely and where it has gone from where maybe being a Christian is culturally advantageous to you to where being a Christian now is a mark against you. Um, and we're slowly moving into that place or maybe rapidly moving into that place as a culture. And there's this receding, right, of Christianity from culture. And there's becoming this greater and wider gap, 
right, between, between Christianity and where culture is running. And for a lot of us, right, that gets us to this place where we get depressed and obsessed with it and mad about it and we're ticked off. And what I would tell you is this, is we have got to become people where we don't look at that and we say, oh, wow, why is the world so crazy? But say, hey, this is the greatest opportunity that we have had in hundreds of years to reach people for Jesus, Because the farther that the world is from Christ, you know what that means? That means that the way that we look, the the world is darker and our light shines brighter. The greater the difference is between the world and us, the greater opportunity that people are able to look and say, there is something different about them. What is it? And that's who we're called to be. I'd say it to you this way, is that when the people of God are visibly different than the world, evangelism stops being about convincing someone what you believe and becomes explaining to someone what you have in Jesus. Let me say that again to you. I want us to catch this today. When the people of God are visibly different than the world, evangelism stops being about convincing someone what you believe and becomes explaining to someone what you have in Jesus. See, the difference is is that as the world begins to shift farther and farther and farther from God and we begin to continue to live in who God has called us to be and the world says, hey, there is something different about them. They come to us and begin to ask us, hey, why do you have hope when the rest of the world is hopeless? Why do you have joy in the moment of this like adversity? Why do you have this? How do you have that? It's not about me having to come up and say, let me convince you about everything, but it's about what is different in your life. That's what we see in the early church. That's what happens. We've got to be people that demonstrate what God is doing and it changes everything. I'll give you an example of this. I love to go to the Tulsa State Fair. Anybody ever like to go to the fairs? Like I love the fair like with a passion. I tried to get Casey to go with me to the fair and then I told her how I do the fair and she is completely against it because I told her like, you gotta walk down every aisle and hit every single booth. And like, I am like, I'm methodical and it's an all day event. But good news um, is we'll get like three cheese on a sticks while we're there. Anybody there for cheese on a sticks? You know, side note, but in the Bible, it talks about manna from heaven. I'm like fairly convinced that that was cheese on a stick because it is a godsend. Um, Like, if you don't know, come talk to me later. We'll talk about it. It's good. But I'll go to the fair. And I remember this one year, I went to the fair and I was walking down the aisles and um, there was this guy at a booth and he was the most awkward guy I've ever seen in my life. And he just like eyeballed me, like a straight on eye contact. And then he all of a sudden just picked up this pipe And then he picked up this knife. And I was like, what's going on here? But then he goes and he starts cutting through and he cut through this knife or this pipe with this knife. And I was like, okay, well, you've got my attention. And so like I turned over there and then he pulls out a tire and he just goes, whack. He hasn't said a word yet. Just cuts through this tire. And I'm like, okay. And then he pulls out a tomato and holds it up. And then he goes, shoo, 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 shoo. And cuts through this tomato. And I'm like, okay, this thing is pretty awesome. And I came over. And so as he showed this to me, I I began to talk to him. And I was about to buy one until he told me it was like a $200 knife. And then I was like, well, I'm out on this. Uh, But he's like, but it comes with three steak knives. And I'm like, I don't need those. Anybody ever get that? I'm on a random part. Sorry. But it was interesting. And here's what I would tell you is this. I was not interested in that knife whatsoever until I all of a sudden began to see what it would do. Saw it cut through a pipe. Saw it cut through a tire, saw it cut these tomatoes, and it got me from walking on my merry way with my cheese on a stick, right, to turning all of a sudden and saying, 
all right, tell me about this thing. And that's the power of demonstration. And what God wants us to be in our lives as Christians, those who are demonstrating what God has done in us, that as we begin to live out who God has called us to be, that it leads the world to come up and say, what is that? Tell me about that. I want to see what that thing is. See, when people observe something that is different, it leads them to find out what it is. Jesus tells us the same thing in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching right here about um, all through all of these different things. And I love what he says here. He says this in Matthew 5, 14. He says, you are what the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He said, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. He says, you're called to be a light. Not to be hidden, but to put it out where everybody can see it. And then I love what he says. He says this. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. He says this, he says, make sure that what you're doing, the way that you're living, the world sees it. So that way they come to the place where they say, hey, we want to praise your God. We want to know who your God is because we've seen the difference. And that's who we're called to be. We're called to be lights that are living in our world differently. So that way the world comes and says, what is it that is different in you? I love it. Peter says the same thing. In 1 Peter, he talks about it and he says, be prepared when people come to ask you the reason for your hope. What is the implication of that? That I'm living my way in such a way that people go and say, hey, he's got hope that I haven't seen before. What is that? Right? Jesus, I think, says it another way. He says that people will know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. It's not because you said these things or you preached these things. And I'm not against that. We'll talk about that as well. But the mark of a Christian, right? And we see this all throughout the Bible is that people will know who you are because you're different. And I tell you this today, don't be afraid to be different. I think we live in a world right now where there is pressure to conformity and pressure for everything. We got to be the same and everything's got to be. Don't be afraid to be different. Man, our superpower as Christians, in a sense, is that we're called to be different. Man, Jesus, I love what he says there. They will know you're my disciples by the way you love. Here's what I want you to grasp today is the way that we become catalysts of change in Northwest Arkansas is when we begin to lean into who God has called us to be. As we begin to live out what God is doing inside of us, it will begin to make a difference through us as we begin to, what he's done in us to allow us to change what he's doing through us. I'll give you an example. When you got a coworker that does you wrong and you walk into them and you, your objective is not to all of a sudden use their faults and their mistakes to, to, um, to jump over them and to step on them and to use it as a stepping spot, but you actually use it as an opportunity to give them grace and mercy and help them. That leads people to say, hey, there's something different about this person. They value people more than position. That's a difference. When an election goes a different way than you would have hoped that it would have went, and you're not completely distraught because you realize that your hope is in King Jesus, not in a president or a governor, that changes things. 
That changes things where people say, hey, there's something different about that person. When, when you're messed up and you, you make a failure, but yet you go to somebody and you ask for, and you repent and you ask for forgiveness of a person. It's not all about being perfect. Being a difference maker and being different than the world isn't about you doing everything perfect and doing everything right. Sometimes it's you having the humility to come up and repent and ask for forgiveness of somebody. I can tell you there is nothing that will change a heart more than when they see somebody come to them and say, hey, I did you wrong and I apologize and I wanna ask you for forgiveness because I failed in this thing, right? That's a difference because, and we're able to do that, why? Because, because we have a confidence that know that our, that our lives are not defined by our successes and our failures. The world has a hard time admitting failure sometimes because, it's our, because their lives are dependent on, on their success rate. But with us, we realize it's not dependent on that. And we can realize I'm not perfect and have humility. And when we show that to the world, it makes a difference. When somebody that we love dies and we walk it out with hope, I mean, that changes people. Bible says it this way. I think Paul, he says it, and he says that we do not mourn like those in the world who mourn without hope. He doesn't say that you don't mourn. Some people get the wrong idea and say, well, you got to act like everything. No, it's sad, still hurts, but yet we mourn with hope. Then we know there's more to this. Leslie's grandma died a couple weeks ago. And um, every time I talk to Leslie, I'm filled with more hope about Jesus and eternity. When I talk to him about his grandma, he was still sad about it. I'm sure there's still tears shed about that thing, but yet he still walked it out. And the way that he walked it out made me realize and love Jesus more. And we become people who live this thing out. It changes things. That's the type of stuff that changes lives. One of the most impactful things that has ever happened to me in my life is I was very close to somebody that I knew um, that had their spouse um, just, just cheat on them and just go down some very dark roads, and it was tough. And to watch that person walk that road with humility and grace and still hope and forgiveness and, and just the way they walked through that season of my life and seeing that in them, it changed me more than probably anything else that anybody's ever told me because what I saw it demonstrated. And what we need and what this world needs, there, there's a lot of trust that's been broken across church in today's society. Let's be honest about it. There's a lot of trust that's been broken. There's been a lot of hypocrisy. There's been a lot of uh, failures. You know what changes that is not when we tell people, hey, this is this and this is this. People kind of turn you off a little bit. I'm not saying that we don't need to say things, but here's what I'm gonna tell you that changes hearts and that changes lives is when they see it demonstrated in your life. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. See, the greatest tool that we have to change our world is not in what we say but in how we follow Jesus. That'd be my challenge for you. In the words of Jesus, you are the light of the world that points people to God. When people see your good deeds, see the way that you live, see the way that you hope, see the joy that you have, that's what changes people. And that's why I say that we have right now one of the greatest opportunities to reach people for Jesus because light shines the brightest in the darkness and we are in this place right now where as the world shifts, 
right? That we have one of the greatest opportunities to stand out in America and in culture and in the world and to make a difference for Jesus. And we, I would say it this way, do not be depressed, but be hopeful for the opportunity. We gotta, I, I, I'm gonna tell you this as a pastor who loves you, but as church general wise, not just, I'm not just talking about Grace Hills. I think across America, we have got to make a shift. And I would say this even for us, we've got to make the shift where in perspective, where we're not ticked off about the world being worldly, but that we are consumed with about the church being the church. Our focus is off. And when we get our focus straight and are concerned with who God has called us to be, as opposed to what the darkness that the world is walking in, that is when things begin to change. We have a world right now that desperately needs to see followers of Jesus walking with uncommon humility, walking with uncommon joy, uncommon peace, forgiveness and kindness and hope. And when we begin to do that, man, that's when the world begins to change. That's how we change Northwest Arkansas. That's how we change our families. That's how we change our coworkers. That's how we become, as this title says for this series, catalyst of change. That's how we do it. And as a church, we are committed to seeing people's lives changed by Jesus. And it's not gonna happen because we got great worship, which we do. Blaine and everybody, I mean, Lenore and Hannah and everybody on this team, that's so great. We got great worship, but that's not what's gonna change lives. It's not because of good teaching, all right? It's not because of that. It's gonna happen because people leave from this building and love like Jesus. People leave from this building and forgive like Jesus. People leave this building and hope in Jesus and share Jesus. So my challenge for you today is this, don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to be different in your coworkers. Don't be afraid to be different in your families. Let's stop being so consumed by what the world is doing and start being driven by what God is doing. Amen? Amen? But what the enemy will try to do, and, and, and he's done this to so many people, and I've seen this over and over and over, is that he will try to sideline us by getting us to focus on the wrong things. That's what he does over and over. I think about a, a few years ago, I was with some kids and we were on the beach. Had the, we were doing a sandcastle competition, right? We we're building these sandcastles. And so there was one sandcastle over here and one over here. And so I had this little guy and he was helping me build mine. And so we were working on it and doing it. And he would work for about 10 seconds and then he'd stand up and he'd say, you see that bucket they got? And I was like, yeah, I see they got a bucket. We're, we're building this moat. And then he'd be like, huh. And so he started working on the moat and then he'd be like, hey, you see that bridge they built? And I'm like, yeah, I see that. Let me build a bridge, you know, and we're doing this. And every 10 seconds, he's just like looking over what they were doing. He didn't do jack squat on our castle. <laughs> and for so many times, what happens in our lives is we're like that little kid. You see what the world's doing? Oh, well, look at what Jesus wants to do through you. Hey, you see what, what happened there in culture? You see this thing? Man. Begin to look at what God wants to do in your life. Here, here's the way I'd tell it to you, is if the enemy can take your focus off of what God has called you to do, then he can keep you from making the difference that God has called you to. I, I, in other words, if the enemy can alter our focus, then he could short circuit our mission. 
And that's what happens. And I say this coming from, I've known so many people in my life that their mission is short-circuited because their focus gets consumed with the world rather than what God is doing inside of them. So here's what I wanna do. We're gonna just take a couple more minutes. I promise I won't take long, but I wanna give you really quickly just some practical three tools that will help you focus and stay on mission. Honestly, maybe five minutes here. And this is the moment where we say, okay, this is great theological knowledge. How do we do it in our life? How do we stay on focus and stay on mission? So first one I would tell you is this. Focus on being an ambassador of Jesus in your world more than you do on the things you cannot change. Focus on being an ambassador of Jesus in your world more than you do on the things you cannot change. So many Christians never make a difference because they are paralyzed by not knowing how to change the world. And they see what's going on in the world. They see all these things and they say, well, I don't know how to change that. I don't know how to do that. Well, here's the thing is that's probably not your job to do. What has God called you to do? Where's the place that God has called you to change? And I'm gonna be blunt with you. You may not be able to change the whole entire world. That may not be your calling and that's probably not your thing. We're not gonna be able to change the whole entire world, but you can change your world. You can change your family. You can change your coworkers. You can change that vendor that you meet with weekly. You can have conversations and demonstrate Jesus in that way. See, when we stop being assessed with the things we cannot change and focus on being the light of Jesus in our schools and our jobs and our families, that's when things really begin to change. Here's the second one. It's fairly similar, but second thing is this. Focus on who God has called you to be rather than the winds of culture. Focus on who God has called you to be rather than the winds of culture. Stop being depressed by the direction of culture in America and start being obsessed with the culture that you are setting in your home and in your marriage and at your work. That's the stuff you can change. I'll say it, I'll say it bluntly. I'll say it pithily. Here's, here's what I'm gonna say. I know this is cheesy and you know this is cheesy. Like this is a cheese ball pastor line, but I'm gonna say it anyways because I'm hoping that maybe it might help you, okay? But we all know that I know this is cheesy and you know this is cheesy, so we're all in, we're all in agreement, okay? But here's what I would tell you is this, and I wrote this down because I think it's helpful, um, is this, is that we will make a way bigger difference for God if we'll focus less on what's going on in the White House and more focused on what is going on in our house. Now, I'm not saying that you're not supposed to be involved in politics. I'm not saying that you don't go vote. I'm not saying that you don't care about what's going on. Absolutely, do your due diligence. Be an American. Do these things that you're called to do. Like we are, but I'm going to tell you that the way that we change culture and the way that things change, I don't have a, a, a line right now to Joe Biden. I don't have a line to Donald Trump. I can't call up Nancy Pelosi. I can't call up Mitch McConnell. Um, I, I don't have that ability to do that. So you know what? I'm probably not gonna make a big change there. But you know what I can do? I can start a grassroots movement in my family and at my job and in my places. And I could be a light of Jesus where I'm at. And so many times we get so focused with everything that's going on in culture, right? That we focus on that to the detriment of what we're called to do. Do that. Man, be obsessed with what is going on in your life and your things. Uh, it's not to say, like I said, that we're not called to shape culture, but the reality, the greatest way that we will shape culture is house to house. Changing your family. 
Focus on what God has called you to do rather than the winds of culture. And the third thing I'd tell you is this. Focus on what God has called you to do and leave the rest up to the Holy Spirit. Far too often we are concerned with outcomes more than obedience. God has not called you to be the all-powerful one who controls all the outcomes of the world. Like That's too big for us. What he's called you to do is be obedient. Be obedient with your family. Be obedient with your kids. Be obedient at your job. Be obedient with your coworkers. Be obedient with the people that you oversee. That's what he's called you to do. And I, I think what happens when we focus more on outcomes than we do obedience, what that leads to is us to be in this place of worry and unrest and too much ownership of responsibility. And it burdens us down because we are so consumed with the outcomes instead of being consumed with what has God called me to do? I put it in his hands and I let him do the rest. I do what I'm called. You know, there's a verse, I think it's in Mark, right, where it talks about sowing seeds and talks about the different places where the seeds are planted and that some grow, some don't, that's, that's okay. And what the reality of that is, is this, is that you're called to plant the seeds. God's called to make it grow. You leave it to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul says it this way. He says, I, I planted the seeds, Apollos watered, but God made them grow. Just be obedient. Be obedient where you're called to be. In your life and in your family, in your relationships, with everything you can do, do what God's called you to do, and then leave the outcomes up to him. Because the reality is this, is that we really mess up when we start trying to play the role of God. And I talked about this a few months ago, but just real briefly, let me hit this for you. It's like, uh, God has a part to play in all these things, right? God is the, God our Father is, he's the judge. Jesus is the one who saves us. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction, We're called just to plant seeds and share the news of Jesus, right? And the problem comes is when we start trying to play the role of God the Father and try to be the judge, and we try to be Jesus, and we think it's our job to save people, so we start putting all this legalism and things on there that Jesus never put in there, but we put in there because we try to save people. Or when we try to be the Holy Spirit and that we feel like it's our job to make everybody feel horrible about everything in the world and that it's our job to to pound people down when we realize that our message and what we're called to do is be lights in our community. Be lights in our family. Tell them what Jesus is. Tell them about what Jesus can change, what Jesus can do. That's who we're called to be. God has not called you to be the sovereign one over all things. He's called you to be obedient. And there's a peace that comes when we do all that God has called us to do, and then we leave the rest up to him. And that's when we begin to lose that being obsessed and depressed and mad at the world. That's when we lose that is because we're able to say, hey, I'm being obedient to what God has called and I'm letting him control the rest. Because the whole world is bigger than your shoulders can carry and you don't need to do it. So many Christians are burdened by culture in the world, but there is a peace and a restfulness in life that comes when we are just obedient and keep our focus on what God has called us to do. And we can find rest and peace in all three of these. Real quickly, let me show you these. Focus on being an ambassador of Jesus in your world more than you, on the things you cannot change. You're gonna be in a season of unrest and worry if you're constantly worried about the things that you can't change. Right, number two is focus on who God has called you to be rather than the winds of culture. You're gonna be worried and depressed and upset about everything that's going on in culture, but when you realize I'm being obedient and I'm leaving the rest up to God, that's okay, and you can rest in that. When you get to this point where you focus on what God has called you to do and leave the rest up to the Holy Spirit, peace. 
And I tell you this, I want you to go and I want you to reach the world, but even on top of that, I wanna see you live your life in a moment of turmoil with rest and peace. And you can have it when you're obedient and you leave the rest up to God. Do that. Here's what I believe is that when we keep our focus on who God has called us to be in our lives, God will use us and use our obedience to change our lives and our marriages and our culture and the world. But the question for you today, and we're gonna end here where we began, is this, are you willing to say, here I am, God, use me? Are you willing? God wants to use you. He's doing something in you. Now he wants to make the shift and begin to do something through you. But are you open to say, here I am, God, use me. Use me with my coworker. Use me in that relationship. Use me and my friends. God, let me be a light in a dark world. Are you willing? Bow your head, close your eyes. I want to pray for you today. Here's my heart for you. Is that you will get to that moment one day, like we were talking about earlier. You get to heaven. There's people that are there and whose lives have been changed because you are willing to be used. That's my hope for you. And uh, I just want to take a second real quick here. And I think as we were walking through this, there was moments that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you in your heart. There, You know there's some relationships that the Holy Spirit brought up to your mind where you can begin to be a light. There's ways in your life that you can begin to be a light. I don't know what those are for you, but I know they're there. I want to pray for you for God to begin to use us. And as we pray... I want to ask you to put that posture of here I am, God. Use me in those ways. Dearly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for what you have done for us and what you have done in us. And God, we pray that you will begin to work through us so we can see that happen in more people's lives. We know the freedom and the hope and the joy and the peace and the restoration that you have done in us. And God, I just pray today that you will use us in our relationships and in our marriages and in our our families and in our working situations and just in public society, whatever those things are, to begin to reach people for you. God, I pray that we will be lights that people will look at us and say, hey, I need to know how you have that hope. I need to know how you have that joy. How do you have that in your life? God, I pray for every person in here today, whatever that individual is that they need to reach. God, I pray that you will empower them, that you will lead them. You will guide them to do it. God, I pray that we will be a church that collectively says, here we are, send us and that you'll make a difference across Northwest Arkansas because we were willing to be faithful. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name.